0: So, I think I was about a third of the way into my message last Sunday, Gas Sunday. Uh, I was about a third when, when uh, Mark Day came up to me, and you know, when I saw Mark coming, I'm like, well, something's up. And, uh, and, uh, and then thanks again to the way that you folks filed out of here, it was, it was terrific. So I'm going to start the whole last week's sermon, I'm going to start it over again. So if that sounds familiar, it is. There's a reason why it sounds familiar, and uh, but there are probably some people who are here today who weren't here last week. And the only way, really, for it to make sense when we post the the message online later this afternoon is for me to, to do the whole message, as uh, as one. So uh, we were in a four week series called Beautiful Things. It's now a three weeker because of uh, Gas Sunday, and uh, one Sunday's gone. Um, and this series will lead us up to Palm Sunday and then e- into Easter. And I don't think, I, you know, when I'm talking about Easter, I would say, you know, let's, let's pack this place out and blow the roof off this place. I don't think I'll talk about blowing the roof off. Okay, all right. Just saying. I was thinking this week, you know, it'll be great to have a normal Sunday for a change uh, so three weeks ago, we canceled church completely because of, of, uh, a brutal snowstorm. We had no church at all three Sundays ago. And then two Sundays ago was the weekend I had to do my brother's funeral. And that Sunday morning is just a, a blur for, for me. It really, it, it's all just, just a blur. Um, and then with last Sunday was, was last Sunday. And so, um, I was looking forward to normal, and then I realized this is time change Sunday, so this isn't normal, because it's March break, and it's time change, and there'll be people showing up at 20 after 11, as Pastor Dale said, and so nothing's normal. But God is in control, and we have a big vision and we have big dreams for this church and for how we want to see God transform thousands of lives in Moncton. And uh, churches never move forward without opposition. And so let me remind uh, us this morning that we need to, we need to pray hard uh, for our church and for what God is doing in our city. Okay, so be praying. All right. So, once again, we are kicking off a brand new series here at Moncton Westland called Beautiful Things. The timing is perfect. It's a reminder to us that God can make something beautiful out of anything, even winter. And no situation is too messy or too broken or too complicated or too hopeless or too frozen for God to do a miracle and for God to cause beautiful things to come, out of, uh, come to life out of your situation. And as I said last Sunday, the Bible is full of these beautiful things kind of, of stories. It's as if God uh, knew that we would find ourselves overwhelmed or, or overmatched, and in situations that just seem impossible, and God gives us these, these real-life examples of people who feel like, like we have felt, and, and they turn to God in their time of need, and God did something incredible and, and made a way where there seemed to be no way. So, to kick off this series again, we're going to go to the uh, Old Testament book of Esther. And the story of Esther is one of the great epic stories of the Bible. This, the story of Esther has everything. It's the, it's the total package. It's got romance. It's got intrigue. It's got deception, uh, underdogs, and unpredictability. And like I said last week, I was saying that uh, I was surprised that Hollywood hasn't picked up on the story of Esther and turned it into a movie. And then several of you started saying they did, yeah, and you started writing me, you know, get with it, Pastor Tim. And apparently, there's a movie uh, on the life of Esther called One Night with the King. And uh, so a bunch of you uh, corrected me on that. And uh, so there it is; it exists. There is a movie. Hollywood is really quick. They made one last week. Um, <laughs> Esther's story uh, makes a, it's a great story because it's, it's totally unpredictable. Uh, and in the end, the underdog, uh, the, the Jewish nation and Esther, uh, they win, which I guess is predictable because, in a way, because the underdog wins. That's, that's predictable. The underdog always wins in great movies. Uh, I mentioned last week that Gayla and I had watched through uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy from start to finish, which if you've got, uh, you know, 14 hours, you know, you can do that. Uh, we did it over the weekend. It's super, super long. And you're like, would you just get, just roll the ring? Would you just get there? And anyhow, Gayla had seen pieces of it, but she hadn't seen the entire uh, series in sequence. So we watched her and I kept telling her, you know, it's kind of predictable because Frodo, the underdog, he, he, he's not going to die. I mean, it, you think he's going to die, and it looks like he's going to but he can't die because he's the underdog, and the underdog never dies. And she fell in love with Gollum, which explains why she married me. <laughs> Precious. Aww. Oh. If you go to the book of Psalms and turn left and uh, go back around about two blocks, you'll bump into the book of Esther. It's a small book, an easy read, only 10 chapters. Uh, Esther is a small book with a big story. And it's hard to cover the whole deal in one sermon, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the whole sweeping scene here uh, this morning. Here we go. The main characters of, of the book are Esther and her older cousin, Mordecai. Both of Esther's parents have died, and Mordecai has adopted her. So Esther's young life already has one story of beauty from ashes. She needed someone to step in and, and adopt her and care for her and give her a chance. And her cousin Mordecai is the man. And so she's already got one, one of these beautiful things, stories in her life. Esther and Mordecai are Jews who had been deported out of Jerusalem, kicked out of Jerusalem, uh, and into Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. Babylon is probably in the northern Iraq-ish area, out there in the desert in the Middle East. Uh, Xerxes is another one of the main characters in the book of Esther. He's the king of Persia at the time. Xerxes ruled everything from India to the Mediterranean from 485 BC to 465 BC. He was a real dude from a real time in history. Xerxes King Xerxes lived. We know this to be true. So he's a real dude. Um, The book begins with Xerxes having one of his wild, drunken parties, and he orders his wife to come parade in front of the men, wearing her crown and probably not much else. Xerxes, they all all get drunk, and Xerxes comes up with a great idea. Hey, I'm going to get my wife, Queen Vashti, to come dance uh, in in front of all these guys. So... Vashti, the wise queen, tells Xerxes to go jump in the Euphrates. Not going to do it. And this explains the search for a new queen. Xerxes is like, well, you can't be queen. You won't come and dance in front of my guys every time we get drunk. So uh, you, you can't, here, give me your crown. You're no longer queen. And um, they, they go on a, a search for a new queen. Esther is chosen. Esther is chosen to join Xerxes' royal harem, okay? She's young, and she's beautiful, and out of all the ladies that they they round up to to join this this new harem of the king, uh, Xerxes picks Esther to be his new queen, and he has no idea that she's Jewish. The plot thickens. So while Esther is in uh, Xerxes' harem hotel, Mordecai, her, her adoptive uh, cousin, Mordecai, would, would often walk past the gate where, where these girls were staying. And he would talk to the servants on the other side of the gate, and that's how he got inf- information on Esther. That's how he would check up on her, and they would tell, tell him, you know, what she was doing and how she was being cared for and how Xerxes uh, admired her and how she was, you know, becoming the queen. And this is how Mordecai got his information. So one day, Mordecai is strolling by the gate, and he overhears a couple of the, the king's guards plotting to assassinate King Xerxes. Mordecai gets word of this to, to Esther. Esther tells the king, and she's, she's very careful to give uh, credit to Mordecai. She tells the king, and she says, it's, it's Mordecai who overheard the story of these guys who are, who are out to assassinate you. And so the king investigates the story, and it's true. They they find out that it's true. And uh, the writer of Esther says that the two guards who were plotting to assassinate the king are impaled on a sharpened pole. Uh, So lots of detail in the book of Esther. You know, they want you to know. It it wasn't a dull pole. Uh, They they were impaled on a sharpened pole. So now we have a Jewish queen in Babylon, this Jewish queen Esther in, in Persia, and we have a Jewish hero, Mordecai, who foils the plot to assassinate the king. Are, are you with me? This is yes. Okay, we're, we're close to about where I got, you know, a little bit interrupted, just slightly interrupted last Sunday, and you all put your coats on and ran out the door. Okay, which was the right thing to do, but we're, we're almost there, we're almost there. Xerxes hires a guy named Haman to be his prime minister, and and Haman uses his position as prime minister for power and, and pride, rather than to serve. See, leadership is always about serving others. Talking about Dale Betts out there shoveling snow for four hours. Leadership is always about serving others, and the leader who misses that eventually will have no one to lead. A good leader leads, uh, A good leader leads themselves and looks out for others not looking out for themselves, and then leading others. And so this guy, Haman, is a, is a mess. And he goes on the ultimate power trip. And he, Haman, the prime minister, demands that any time that, that you see me coming, uh, you need to bow down to me. You need to bow down and worship me because I am the prime minister. And people who don't uh, bow down to me will go and visit the sharpened pole. That's the incentive for bowing down. And uh, everybody bows down except for one person, Mordecai. Mordecai is a Jew, and he only bows down to Jehovah. And this totally hacks off Haman. He's totally torqued about this. Like he gets, he gets so incensed and raging mad that that Haman's anger boils up to the point that he doesn't want to just uh, take Mordecai to the pole. He wants to wipe out all the Jews in, uh, in, in Xerxes' Persian Empire. He wants to get rid of all of them. And so Haman goes to the king, and he weasels a deal to have all the Jews murdered. Now Mordecai hears of Haman's plot to, to murder all the Jews, and he goes into mourning. And he, he covers himself in burlap and, uh, and, and, and wipes ashes all over his body. And he just goes into this, this state of extreme mourning for his, for his people. And he writes a letter to Esther telling her that she has to do something. She's, she's got to stop this. And Esther, Esther gets a letter from Mordecai saying, this is what's going down. And you'd better do something. you better stop this. Esther writes a letter through these these servant people passing it out through the gate to Mordecai. She writes a letter back to Mordecai reminding him of what happens to anyone who approaches the king without an invitation. You go to the pole. You can't just walk into the king and say, hey, let's, you know, I got something on my mind. You only go to the king when the king invites you. And Esther writes back to Mordecai. and She says, hey, everybody knows that if if you walk in and approach the king, if you disturb him, you go to the pole. Um, This is important information to know. The king is busy with his harem, and he's not called for Esther in a month. She hasn't seen the king for a month. And uh, she's thinking, you know, I don't know when he's going to call me in, if he'll ever call me in again. And I'll die if I just walk in there unannounced. And Mordecai sends a letter back to to Esther. And that's where we're going to pick up the story in Esther chapter 4. We're going to read a couple of verses, verse 13 and 14. Mordecai sends this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. The reason we have the book of Esther in our Bible is that it shows us that God keeps his promises to his people. And it shows us that, that God can make something beautiful. He can cause beautiful things to come out of any situation, out of the most desperate of situations. And Mordecai helps Esther to see her opportunity in a desperate situation. He writes back to her and basically is telling her, hey, what's the point of being first lady if you're a dead first lady? He's telling her, like, don't think that just because you're the queen that, 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 that he won't kill you too. And he he reminds her that God has far greater plans for Esther's life than just entertaining King drinks a lot. In a dire situation with few options, Mordecai still believes that God has a plan. And maybe that's what several of us needed to hear this morning. In a dire situation with few options, Mordecai still believes that God has has a plan. Baby, you need to still believe this morning in your situation that God has a plan. He sees God at work even when it appears that the whole... excuse. That's That's me when I touch that, isn't it? Yeah. I'll stop doing that. How about I touch that less? I'm getting a thumbs up from the sound man. You okay? All right. I should have just fall, fallen right, right flat on the stage when that happened. Okay. He sees God at work, even when it appears that the whole world is against him. And when Mordecai decides not to bow to, to Haman, the, 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 the prime minister, he, would just, he was declaring his faith and his trust in his God. And the writer of Esther fills in enough details around Mordecai. We, we know enough about this man to know that he was a man of deep spiritual conviction. I only bow to Jehovah. I don't, I don't bow to pompous prime ministers. I only bow to, to my God. And, he, and he, 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 uh, he, Mordecai believed that Esther might be in the right place at the right time to save her people from evil. And he says something in verse 14. That I, that I just love. Let's put verse 14 uh, back up here for a second. Let me just straighten this up. There we go. Verse 14. If you keep quiet. Just, just those first uh, four words right there. Just pause there for a second. If you keep quiet. You know, there are times when as followers and believers in Jesus Christ that we can't keep quiet. There are, there are some times when, 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 when what's happening around us and decisions that are being made, and as, and as followers of Jesus Christ, that we, you, just, you just can't keep quiet. There are times when, when we need to speak up. There are times when we need to stand up and not be afraid of the kingdoms of this world. Sometimes there, there, are, there are decisions being made that would attempt to, to pull our whole nation in one direction. And it's okay for us to not be okay with every decision that's handed down to us as, as believers and followers of Jesus. There are times when we need to speak up for the injustices in our world. And speak up for those who don't have a voice. Speak up with love and truth. And, and don't just speak up about the situation, but show up in the situation. and Be the hands and feet of Jesus to those who need it the most. Even in our own lives... Are we willing to speak up when we need help? Would we, would we call out to a friend when our, when our marriage is under attack? You know, one thing I've learned after 20-some years of ministry is, is the church is often the last one to know. We often hear about things when, it, when, it's, when it's too late or it seems too late or when people have decided it's too late. Would we call out to a friend when our marriage is under attack? Would we speak up about real issues in our lives that, that are trying to wipe us out? Would you speak to a friend and say, look, I'm, I'm, I need help here. If there's a Haman in your life that's, that's out to get you, don't stay silent. And Esther called all the Jews to, to pray for her. Reach out Reach out to your church family. You don't need to be alone You're not alone if you keep quiet at a time like this. There are times when as followers of Jesus Christ, we we don't need to keep quiet. We need to do the opposite. We need to speak up and reach out to others. So I want you to know this morning, you're not alone. You don't need to be alone. And there are... Uh, staff in this church that are here for you. There are people in this church that are here for you who will who will love you, who will pray with you, who will who will uh, walk through whatever it is that you're going through. Who will walk through that with you? Okay, let's keep the the story going here. Mordecai fully believes that Xerxes and Haman. Uh, can we put that verse back up? Sorry, Hunter or whoever's on that. Okay, he fully believes that that Xerxes and Haman are are capable of a lot of damage. He says here that you and your relatives will die. But he doesn't believe that they're capable of of total genocide of the Jewish nation because he says, deliverance and relief for the Jews, it'll come from somewhere. Like a bunch of us are probably going to die. But I don't think God will, will let these two guys completely wipe out the Jewish nation. God will accomplish what he wants to accomplish with or without us. Is kind of what Mordecai is saying. He, he'll, he'll still accomplish his, his plans with or without us. And then he says this classic line at the end of verse 14. Mordecai says this, Who knows, Esther, if perhaps you were made queen for, such, for just such a time as this. Who knows? What if? Could be. Maybe God has a plan. Maybe God wants to use you and and your situation to shine his light in the darkness. Maybe something good can, can come from whatever it is that you're going through this morning. Maybe something good can come from this. If you would just recognize that that God might have you in this place, in this predicament, in this season, this struggle, this challenge, this job, this stress for such a time as this. And if you would be willing to just take the risk and do what is right, God might bless you and, and God might, might bring beautiful things out of the dust in your life, in your situation. So you might have to You keep clapping. You clap long enough. I'll have a drink. That's black coffee, by the way. What if, who knows, if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this? Who knows that maybe maybe what you're going through right now, where God has put you right now, is exactly where God needs you. So that he can work through this this impossible situation. This difficult or this painful, whatever it is that you're going through, that God wants to work in you and through you to shine his light, to do something miraculous through you. And that's the only way that it could happen. Esther writes back to him. In verse 15, Esther writes back to Mordecai, get me something really strong to drink. No. No. Or oh, we're going to have to work extra hard to make this happen. No, that's not what she says. Or give, g- give me some time and I'll figure this out on my own. No, that's not what she writes either. Let's look at it. Verse 15. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And my maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. And if I must die, I must die. She calls Mordecai and all the Jews to fast for three days. She tells tells the people, look... If, 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 if this is going to happen, and if God is going to do something miraculous, and if God is going to cause something beautiful to happen out of this, we all need to go into a spiritual deep dive. That's the way to, when, when you're stuck in a situation, when you're, when you're facing something that seems bigger than you, when you just don't know what to do, do what Esther did. Go into a spiritual deep dive. We need, she's like, we need a miracle from God. We can't do this on our own. We need God to step into this situation for us. And we need God to change the heart of the king and do for us what we're not capable of doing on our own. I love this verse from 1 Peter. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Give all your worries. This is what Esther does. She goes into a spiritual deep dive. Give all your worries and your cares to God. For he cares. He cares about you. Here's a a mystery and an irony and a paradox principle that we see throughout Scripture. And this could be exactly what many of us need to hear this morning. Your victory might come through surrender. Surrender with me your victory, the way to, the way to win in that battle might actually come through surrender sometimes the breakthrough comes after we break down. I don't mean nervous breakdown. but when we when we fully surrender and acknowledge that my only hope in this situation is to fully completely, Cry out to Jesus with as much as it takes for as long as it takes. Your victory might come through surrender. Lester calls the people. and She says, don't eat or drink for three days. I mean, if you call a friend and you say, this is what I'm dealing with. And the friend says, don't eat or drink for three days. You're going to call another friend. (laughs) Right? You're going to go through all of your contacts. There's got to be an easier way, and Esther knows now. There's, there's no easy way to this one. If you really want to see God move, if you really want to see God do a miracle in your life, the victory might only come through surrender. You might only break through after you break down before the Lord in full, total, complete surrender to God. This is too big for me, and I need a miracle. And I'm willing to do anything. I'm listening. I'll do anything. Cry out with as much as it takes for as long as it takes. I have a a note on my desk. It's it's, um, something I scribbled a couple of weeks ago about calling our church to fast and pray for revival. And it's just laying there on my desk. I just read it like 30 times a day. To pray and fast for this Easter, in particular, but to call as many who are who are willing to seriously cry out to Jesus for the salvation of our city, our communities, and our families. If you don't know how the story ends, uh, here it is in a nutshell people pray. Esther approaches the king. The king welcomes her. She finds favor. She invites the king and Haman to a banquet. Uh, The first dinner that they have, she doesn't get up enough nerve. So she she doesn't get it out. I mean, it's just like us. And the king says, Esther, what do you want? And she says, "Um, what I really want is to do dinner again tomorrow night, just the three of us. (laughs) His king's like, okay, all right, dinner again tomorrow night. Just the three of us. And that second night is the night before Haman thinks he's going to kill Mordecai. He thinks he's finally caught up to Mordecai. And Haman has built a huge death pole in his front yard. No better place to build a huge, giant death pole. And he thinks he's going to make an example of Mordecai. And so Haman, Esther, and the king are having dinner for the second night in a row. And the king asked her, Esther, Esther, something's weighing on you. What is it? What do you want from me? What do you need? And Esther tells the king that someone is plotting to kill her people. That's the first time he finds out that, he has, that he's married to a Jewish woman. She says, someone is plotting to kill my people. And that someone is Haman. Xerxes Fills with rage. And he's so so mad that he jumps up from the table and he has to go outside to blow off steam. And while he's out of the room, Haman, who's, you know, white as a ghost, Haman approaches Esther to beg for his life and he trips on a Persian rug. Okay, I added the Persian rug. And And he lands on top of her. And then Xerxes comes back in the room. This does not look good. This does not look good at all. And one of the servants, you can imagine, the servants probably hated Haman because he made everybody bow down to him. And one of, the, one of the servants speaks up and he says, you know, king, Haman has been building this wicked contraption in his yard for Mordecai. And it'd be a shame not to use that thing. <laughs> Esther does three things in her crisis that you and i can do three things one she reaches out to her friends in, in a in a time of desperation she calls on mordecai and she says get find all the jews that you can find and get them praying for me she reaches out to her friends the other thing she does is she reaches up to god she says we're gonna have to pray and fast we're going to have this this one is serious. We're going to have to really take this before God. She reaches out to her friend, she reaches up to God. And then the third thing she does is she risks it all. She's willing to risk it all for the greater good. If you need God to do a miracle in your life today, this is not a time to stay quiet. That's what Mordecai says to Esther. You can't, can't stay quiet. You've got to you've got to go to the king. And, and 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 this I my heart goes out to people who hear uh words like this and 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 calls like this. They hear it and they need it and they know what to do, and they they don't do anything. And they just walk out the door. And I just want to say if you if you need God to do a miracle in your life, for goodness sake, don't let pride hold you back. Don't let fear hold you back. Cry out to the Lord. Cry out to, Reach out to your friends. Cry out to God. If you need Him to do a miracle in your life today, this is not a time to stay quiet. Sometimes our greatest victories come when we surrender to the Lord. And we give God an opportunity to make beautiful things in our lives. Maybe this is such a time as this. Maybe this is your time to speak out, to call on the Lord, to call on others to pray for you, to watch God do something beautiful in your life. Uh, I'm going to pray for us, lead us in prayer. Uh, The band is going to lead us in a song uh, that we really shaped this series around. It's called Beautiful Things. You make beautiful things out of us. And uh, this morning, if you need to pray, I invite you to come and, uh, and kneel, stand, bow, fall down on your face before the Lord if you need to come and pray. But uh, uh, I just invite you to surrender to the Lord. Let me pray for us. God, oh Lord, this, this message has had uh, an opportunity to weigh on my heart now for several weeks and believing God that that there are miracles that you want to do in this place this morning if the people who need you the most would reach out to you in this moment and invite you to come and 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 take that terrible situation and cause something beautiful to come out of it if we would totally surrender lord and just just fall at your feet and not hold anything back. Lord, I believe that that anything is possible in this room this morning. And so God, uh, be with us now as we surrender to you, to your word, to your Holy Spirit speaking to us in this moment. We pray and ask these things together in Jesus' name.